VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. Great to be back with you again. Uh, for yet another week. And uh, before we start uh, with today's show, which is about transforming your business performance, uh, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Will Kintish, who shared with me last week and, and with you how to get the most out of using LinkedIn as a sales and marketing tool. Some really excellent feedback on that show and an absolute must, I think, if you're wondering how can you generate more value from LinkedIn. So this week's show is the first of a series of three shows designed to give a a different perspective on developing your business by talking with some really successful leaders from different market sectors. I decided to to kick this start this mini-series with two people that I've got great respect for. Uh, Jonathan Davey and Derek Finlayson are leaders at SSP Pure and Key Choice, um, which provide a range of insurance services to brokers. So I'm going to talk with them today. Uh, next week, uh, we have Adrian Pike, the CEO and f- co-founder from one of the fastest growing businesses in the UK. They're called Anesco, and they operate in the energy efficiency sector. Uh, Anesco was formed in 2010, and it's forecasted this year to turn over £100 million. Uh, then on the 24th of May, we have the president of PRS Guitars, uh, Jack Higginbottom. He's going to talk with me about how uh, they went from making guitars in a garage to developing an iconic guitar brand and, and uh, as a guitarist and my guitar of tr- uh, guitar company and brand of choice so uh, a wonderful opportunity there to speak with Jack. So how do you grow businesses today when it seems that markets are just const- constantly changing? You know it's not about sharp price it's um, just it's about online sales, social media, finding innovative ways to build relationships and keep customers and prospects informed. And, and there's the demands of legislation, staff training, etc., etc. So no wonder growing your business can seem like an uphill struggle. You know, according to my guests, this is also the reality for businesses in the insurance sector. Uh, born in the UK, Jonathan Davey was educated in Lincolnshire, Hong Kong and Wales and had an early career as an inspector in the police in Hong Kong. He returned to the UK uh, in 1987 to begin a management career. He's worked in retail, marketing, IT, financial services. And he's also launched a company called MediQuote. He helped develop and launch Eurosure, another insurance scheme marketing business. Then in 2001, uh, he founded Primary Broker Services, which became Primary General. He grew it from zero to 225 staff with a, a premium income of nearly £100 million. He left as uh, CEO in 2008 to form Key Choice Underwriting, which uh, supported about 800 Key Choice member companies with a really compelling service-led underwriting proposition. Today, he's the managing director for SSP Pure and Key Choice. He's, he's experienced and well-known in the media. He's 
vociferous and passionate about the interests of insurance brokers and small business in general. And he happens to be married with four children in, in North Yorkshire, in the north of England. We also have Derek Finlayson, who's a highly experienced business leader. He's had over 25 years of creating and managing change and transforming small, medium and large organizational performance. He's led many teams, including building a market leading in marketing consultancy and helping professional services companies, including insurance brokers, profitably grow their businesses. Uh, he's got particular strengths in sales, marketing and distribution. And today he's the commercial strategy and proposition director for SSP Pure and Key Choice. And uh, it's a pivotal change role and a very successful growing business that provides a range of services to the insurance industry. So you know, I hope from that what you realize is that we've got some two really experienced um, people who've got a wealth of knowledge about transforming your business performance. So I'd like to say a big welcome to both Jonathan and Derek. Thank you, Chris. Thanks very much, Chris. Very welcome. Pleasure to have you both on the on the show. And maybe the first thing to do, as I've mentioned, that you come from you know, the insurance sector is you know, there's I know there's many thousands of small businesses in the sector, you know, and it's globally it's a massive marketplace. Maybe you could help by putting the market into context for us, Jonathan. Yeah, sure. Good afternoon. Um, I mean, the UK insurance market alone is is worth perhaps. Uh, £45 billion pounds sterling of premium. That's the equivalent of, what, $75 billion US dollars. Um, in the UK alone, there are 2,500 insurance intermediaries supporting uh, businesses and individuals in arranging their insurance needs. Uh, it's a big industry, and, and it has lots of benefits for our economy. Insurance makes businesses safer by, by making businesses far more aware of the risks that they, they take in everyday operations. Um, and insurance-led risk management helps stop events happening, which is actually preferable to having claims, of course. Um, insurance very much st it stimulates the economy. Uh, it eases business transactions. In fact, without insurance, you know, businesses would face significant liability when it comes to signing contracts, you know, financing operations, manufacturing products. In fact, those things wouldn't be possible without insurance. Obviously, it provides recovery in the event of major major incident and catastrophe. Uh, and most of us would know insurance as something that simply protects our assets, those things that we buy, and that's what perhaps most people will associate with insurance. But it's um, as, a, as an industry, uh, it's also hugely um, investing in companies and property and stocks and bonds. And it, it's, uh, it's certainly true to say that the insurance market worldwide is exceedingly important. And basically, without it, business would not prevail. It also seems that uh, it also seems very complex as well, um, doesn't it? In terms of the variety and types of uh, organisations involved in it. I mean, so maybe um, you could explain to us then, Derek. And uh, a key choice in SSP provide um, some services and and uh, services to a lot of brokers in in this country. And in simple terms, uh, you know, what does it specifically do uh, for its its customers? Sure. Good afternoon, Chris. Well, in simple terms, through SSP, we provide the back office technology for insurance brokers to run their business. Through our other business, Key Choice, we provide a range of insurance products and business support and development services that help brokers of all size grow their business and, most importantly, compete in the market. So for me, Chris, the more most important thing the more we actually help our customers grow their business and run their business efficiently, the more successful we are. Great. So you're speaking with a lot of organisations. You're kind of in the 
you know, in the fabric of those organizations with helping them with things like, um, you know, IT and, and various products and services that they then sell on. Um, but what are the, um, what are you finding, uh, you know, typically for small businesses in your sector, the reasons why, uh, Derek, they're you know, at times not performing? Well, Chris, the way I tend to like to look at it is to ask myself the question, why do some businesses outperform others? And when you ask yourself that question, there's probably, for me, five key themes that tend to stand out. The first two are fundamentally linked together. Um, the first would be not adapting to the changing market. Certainly from what I see, the pace of change is accelerating. So the reality is that if you're not evolving your business to respond to the changes that are happening, you're probably falling behind the competition. Closely linked to this for me would be not recognizing and adapting to changing customer needs. I know my expectations as a customer are spiraling, and that seems to be something that's happening with a lot of customers in terms of a trend. So building up a detailed understanding of your customers and prospects business and what's important to them is probably more important now than ever before. We tend to find that some customers rely too much on referral business. Certainly, if I relate it to the insurance sector, a lot of the businesses have relied on growing their business through referrals. But doing this in isolation has its challenges, and referral business can sometimes start to dry up as your customer base ages and changes. We find that some businesses are not investing enough time and energy in marketing and business development. I certainly, from the customers I work with, see a real difference in the results between those businesses that drive their marketing activities and those that wait for business development to happen. And the last bit for me, Chris, would be around some businesses don't necessarily focus on the right measures in their business, which is something which we'll be keen to sort of expand upon and give you some additional views upon during this session. Fantastic. I mean, do you find some businesses who barely focus on measures at all? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think most, most businesses have actually got some measures within their business. But I guess the key question for me, Chris, would be, are they the right measures? Are they actually telling you what's happening within your business? Are they telling you what the trends are? Is it giving you a direction to what you're wanting to do? Great. Well, all the things you described there, you know, seem very, very common to, you know, the markets in general. And, you know, things like uh, social, the Internet I guess it's given people so much more information at the fingertips, hasn't it? And a, and a variety of options than maybe just walking around to their broker to buy their insurance services. Is that something that you've, you've, you've found has had a big impact? I certainly from what I've seen, you know, most the, the trends in terms of the Internet and the way which people interact are dramatically changing. People want to engage in different ways than perhaps they did three, four, five years ago. And businesses need to be able to respond to that and be flexible in terms of the way they respond to be successful going forward, Chris. Right. Now, now some. So, did, Jonathan, did you want to say something there? Well, only only to agree, I guess. I mean, the distribution landscape for, for insurance in the UK has changed fundamentally. We've got, you know, the advent of direct writers, the emergence of consolidators with big war chests buying up insurance brokers, um, aggregators and other new distributors of insurance, so banks, motor manufacturers and dealers, travel agents, electrical retailers, and, of course, the, the, the impact of the, the Internet as well, as you mentioned. And, and against that backdrop, the intermediary market in the UK has well, not just survive, but in many cases actually thrived. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why it makes it quite an exciting place in which to work. Do you want to just explain there maybe what, um, what an 
for people who are listening from the outside, you know, what, what is an intermediary? So an, an intermediary is someone that has a, uh, a contractual relationship with their client to provide them with best advice in respect of their purchases uh, of insurance. Now, many of us are quite happy to go online and uh, trust our own knowledge of the, uh, the the insurance market to buy simple insurance products. But in particular, with commercial lines insurance, when you're protecting things which are uh, not just your business, but potentially your pension and your uh, your income, your family's income, your legacy, your heritage, you know, those things need protecting. And most of us are unwilling to trust our own experience in terms of buying insurance. We need an expert. Uh, to give us advice, just as we need accountants and solicitors, we need insurance professionals to ensure that we understand what it is that we're protecting and make sure that our protection meets our needs in the event of some sort of a catastrophe. So the intermediary performs that role. Great. I got quite interested actually. The you know, so don't mind me being a bit um, flippant here, but some people who maybe work outside of the sector of insurance, they could say, well, insurance a bit dull, and uh, I know both of you, uh, and uh, know you're far from that, uh, that stereotype. And what personally got you interested in, in insurance, Jonathan? Because like, you've obviously worked at the Hong Kong police. Yeah, you could say sort of blue uniform to grey suits, but I suppose both at least have got shiny shoes. Um, I, I think I've not really met many people that have chosen insurance, to be honest, and, and I would include myself in that. People sort of drift into insurance as a profession. Uh, but in reality, once they once they arrive in the industry, then they tend to stay put because despite its image, it's actually quite an exciting and dynamic industry and a, and a, and a good place to work. Um, you know, the majority of the UK market for insurance is run by by small businesses, small business people, small businesses of run by entrepreneurial people. And that that, too, makes it quite a, an exciting place to work um, against the backdrop of all of these new and emerging uh, channels to market of places in which people can buy insurance. Um, the intermediary, the insurance brokers prevailed. And as a, a, a chief exec of one of the um, one of the world's major insurance companies once said to me uh, if there was a nuclear holocaust and the only things to survive would be cockroaches and insurance brokers such is their resilience so so um that's quite a, a quite a an interesting statement there um well, I guess it had more to say about the resilience of the industry and the fact that uh, small business people, dynamic small business people, have been able to withstand the onslaught of a whole range of new markets and new challenges and done so really, really successfully. So, you know, your question was, why am I involved in this industry? I'm involved in it because I think it's a, a really sustainable, fun and interesting place in which to work. Fantastic. How, how about you, Derek? I should ask you the same question. Well, a bit like Jonathan described, I certainly was uh, was one of those people who certainly didn't plan to uh, end up in insurance, Chris. Um, but once I found myself working in insurance at 18, which seems quite a while ago for me now. It was a long while ago, Derek. Thank you for that, Jonathan. <laughs> um, it, was, it was probably around two things, really. The first thing that really caught my eye was the huge diversity of roles available to you as a career within insurance. The, the opportunities were phenomenal. Insurance, if you look at it, covers every type of business there is. So being able to work with a wide range of businesses, get to understand how they work, the risks and challenges they face has been fantastic. The other bit that I love about this industry is the pace of change of insurance is incredible. So being able to be creative, innovative and respond to that change 
and the challenges it brings is what I really enjoy, enjoy and get a huge buzz from. Great. I think, I think, um, having myself spent quite a lot of time working in insurance, I think it's an absolutely fascinating sector. So I'm just playing devil's advocate slightly there by asking you the question. Um, but I mean, what, um, do you think, uh, Jonathan, that any small business can learn from the lessons in the insurance sector? We've got about four minutes till we go to commercial break. Um, well, I suppose the challenges that, that small businesses in our sector face, they're not exactly unique. Um, in any industry, in order to be successful, I guess you need to show lots of sort of character traits, you know, innovation, differentiation, etc. So, I mean, if you take, let's take innovation as an example. Pe- people say things like, uh, if you always did, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. Well, the reality for small businesses is that that's uh, certainly those seeking to become larger businesses. That's actually not true because if you stand still, um, you do so at your peril. Um, successful businesses very much have to embrace dynamic change and work with it. You know, maintaining that status quo is actually in reality going backwards. And, you know, that certainly applies to the UK insurance industry, but I guess it's, it's no different to, to almost any business in any sector. If you look at the differentiation which is happening in our industry, in our sector, you know, the successful brokers are those that want, those that are, you know, growing, um, in targeted niches. They've, they've got a service focus and a service ethic. Uh, they're targeting risk management and client engagement much more than price or product or feature function. You know, they're, they're, they're differentiating their businesses in different ways. Now, Although those are examples that are particularly relevant to the insurance sector, in reality, they apply to all industries and all sectors. And certainly one thing that I can say is that although the pace of change in the insurance market um, is accelerating at an unprecedented rate, I guess that the same can be said for most other vertical market sectors around the world. The pace of change is, con- is a continuum and you have to be, uh, uh, you have to get with it and you have to be up to that pace of change. And those businesses that see change as an opportunity and have the ability to constantly reshape and evolve their businesses, those are the ones that will capitalize on that change. Those are the ones that are much more likely to be successful, not those that think that if they carry on doing things like they always have done, then they'll carry on being successful. Because if you don't change, you don't differentiate, you don't innovate, then frankly your business will go backwards. It's a constantly moving feast. Uh, <clears throat> makes, um, makes an enormous amount of, amount of sense. Um, so we're going to go to uh, go to commercial break now, but uh, you know, I really urge people to stay on the line and listen to uh, what, um, what Derek and Jonathan are going to share, because they've got a lot of key learnings from this marketplace, which I think are hugely valuable to insurance but also every other market so after the break we'll really get down into teasing what are some of the things that uh, small businesses can do to really transform their performance so we're back with you again in just a couple of minutes When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called 
the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, bemoreachievemore.com. And uh, if you want to find out more information about uh, future shows and things like that, do subscribe to the newsletter at Be More Cheap More. I'll keep you up to date. Um, we, before the break, we were talking about transforming your business performance with, uh, with Jonathan and Derek. And, uh, you know, Derek, I wonder if you could maybe outline from us, from your expertise in helping to turn around business performance, what are the things that you would focus on to help a small business improve? Well, that's a really good and relevant question, Chris. Um, I guess where I'd start would be say our prime focus is on helping our customers grow their top line. By that, I mean their revenues and their bottom line, their profits. As I touched upon earlier, if our customers are successful, we are successful as a business. So the sort of areas we focus on with our customers are really around a number of different questions that challenge their thinking and get them to think differently about their business, like What currently do you do really well and build upon within your business? Do you have a clear strategy and is it being executed ruthlessly? How do you go about raising the bar when it comes to communicating with customers and prospects? How do you go about communicating with customers and prospects and building rapport? How do you make your business more efficient and release resources to focus on growth? What do you look at in terms of benchmarking success? What sort of key performance indicators do you focus on in your business based around what we call a balanced scorecard? We also focus quite strongly on whether the causes of sales are actually being measured. How can you do things better tomorrow than you did today? And the last bit that's just as important for me would be how do you develop the people in your business and attract the right talent to grow? Wow, so a pretty substantial list, list there. So let's maybe try and tackle most or all of them if it's, if it's possible. And the first one that I noted down was about um, sort of building on um, what you do really well. So you say focus on what your business is currently doing really well and build on it. How do you actually go about doing that? And uh, and Jonathan, what if they're actually doing the wrong things really well? The wrong things really well. I suppose the easy answer to that is that, you know, doing the wrong things in any business is, is completely mindless. 
Um, you know, I, I often see people that do things that they might consider to be urgent uh, and not doing things that are actually important. In, in fact, it's actually quite a, a common character trait and it's quite, quite a common characteristic of, of people in business. And it's something that you almost have to shock yourself into doing differently. So I ask our people and, and myself almost on a daily basis, in fact, they probably tell me it was on a daily basis, that if you're doing something that's not aligned to our strategic vision or our key business goals, then why are you doing it? And every now and again, it prompts some, some blank stares, I have to say. It's often difficult in a business to actually see what's going wrong or what, the, what are the right things to focus on. And you have to keep asking yourself all of the basic questions. And these are different for different businesses, but all the basic questions around, you know, what's worked well in the past and why, uh, what's the key to being successful in the future. And when you ask yourself that kind of question, you must actually ask it from a customer's perspective or rather answer it from a customer's perspective. Um, you've got to ask yourself, what are the things that other businesses are doing? Your competitors, what are they doing that your customers can relate to that makes a difference to your customers? customers where's your innovation coming from and it's the answers to all of those kinds of questions and the similar kind of questions that will give you the focus that you're looking for for your business and that's the focus which has to define your strategy and as Derek said earlier once you've got your strategy you must execute that strategy ruthlessly do, do you think uh, do you think you, you mentioned there about uh, kind of putting yourself in your customer shoes but is in that exercise is it actually worthwhile selecting some of your customers and asking them what you do well and uh, maybe some of the things that you should be doing better in the future. Gosh, of course it is. I, I don't know any successful business that doesn't, you know, take every possible opportunity to communicate with and talk to their customers about what good, what does good look like? You know, those are the people who are, who are, who are managing or have your future in their hands. And if you're not actively engaged with your customers, trying to find out all of the things which make them tick, then However successful you are right now, um, other people will be more successful than you in the future because they'll be delivering what your customers say they want. Of course, you must engage with your customers at that level. Mm. Uh, you mentioned there as well about, uh, about clear strategy and you know, the importance of executing ruthlessly. Uh, what to you is clear strategy and what are the indicators that it's actually being executed ruthlessly? And what do you mean by ruthlessly? Well, I said, like I said earlier, it's about focusing on the things that are really important, uh, those things that genuinely add value. Um, so I think you, you have to start with a strategy plan. Everybody should have one. Every business should have one. And that that strategy plan has to be written down because if it's not written down, it, it's not really, really, really worth anything. But don't stop there. You've got to then understand from a sort of a nebulous strategic vision or strategy paper, how does that actually flow into everyday activity, whether that's through your teams or individual action plans that support those strategic aims and vision that you, you've articulated for yourself. And it's only by doing that piece that you sort of bring a strategy alive and start to get it embedded in your business. You know, vision statements not interested in proper strategy with a clearly articulated tactical plan to support it. Now that's going somewhere, you know, as the saying goes, tactics without strategy is, is pretty mindless and it has no purpose, but equally strategy without tactics is absolutely useless because it gets you nowhere. So you need both. You need the strategy and you need a clear tactical plan, which helps you uh, develop that strategy, embed it in the business uh, and monitor your performance. Great. 
And for anybody listening, thinking actually you know, need to understand more about strategy, there's a, a recording in the archive by um, a strategy expert, Derry Llewellyn Davis, that has been very popular. He's created something called Strategy on a Page. So that might be a worthwhile uh, listening to um, that if you're wanting to or about to develop your strategic plan. So, I mean, you also mentioned there, Jonathan, about you know, executing ruthlessly. Does I mean, does ruthlessly mean at all costs or does it mean what, what does it mean? <laughs> Well, it means don't play at it. You know, too often you see people that have got a nice vision of what they want to do for their business, a bit of a strategy um, overview. They've got some tactical plans, which, uh, you know, on the 1st of April seemed like a good idea. And by the 1st of July, they've forgotten what they were going to do. Um, so ruthlessly just means persistence. Uh, it means consistency. It means uh, if you're articulating or, or identifying what it is that you want to do, you know, make sure that you've got the checkpoints throughout the year that you're holding your own feet to the fire, as it were, in terms of holding yourself to task to make sure that you've done what you said you were going to do. Um, actually, that, that's what I mean by ruthlessness. It's not about um, anything more than that. It's just about being persistent, about knowing what it is that you want to do and making sure that you hold yourself to task. You know, be your own conscience. Make sure that you um, you are genuinely articulating what it is that you need to do and, and making sure you do it. That That's all. Right. And I think... Uh... Actually, what you're sharing there is um, is part part of my keynote, actually, which is about accountability. And, you know, accountability is um, not necessarily just yourself holding yourself to task, but making sure others are doing it as well, uh, giving yourself as little wiggle room as possible. Um, so I think that and that's also, I guess, important, Jonathan, for your team. So um, also put, developing frameworks of appraisals and uh, and reviews and things like that to hold people accountable and, and help everybody flow towards the end result well i guess if everybody understands the vision everybody understands the strategy and they've got a clear plan of what it is that they personally need to do to achieve it however you measure their performance um, then at least you've got some chance of achieving the end game that you've set yourself um, but if you start off with some sort of as i said uh, and we've all seen this haven't we you know nebulous strategic plans based around a strategic vision which is which is often um you know feels like it's been written off the back of a cornflakes packet uh, th those kind of uh, those kind of visions are not going to get a business anywhere so take yourself seriously take your planning seriously um, make sure that you're measuring the right things and if you say you're going to do something just do it great uh, so another the second point that you made Derek, if i could add a point to that yeah please do I think the bit for me would be you know if you can have everybody in your organization who's got an understanding of how they can contribute to that strategy, regardless of what role they're playing. You create a different level of momentum with the organization and buy-in to make it happen. And certainly the businesses that I've seen that have moved forward at a different pace are the ones that have got that really, really right. Great. So how then, Derek, do you raise the bar when it comes to communicating with customers and prospects? Oh, well, Chris, there's a question. I could talk on that one for quite some time, but... Um, let me try and break that down into, into two parts, if I may. Um, the, the first question really for me would be, how do you best review your approach to communicating and building relationships with customers and prospects? So for me, in service-based industries, like insurance, who have annual contracts, it's all too easy to fall into the trap of only communicating with your customers at renewal or in the event of a bad experience, such as a claim. 
the best businesses build up a really detailed profile of their customer's business, how it looks now, and just as importantly, how they want to look in the future. In other words, they really get under the surface of their customer's business and look at where they can add value. What you might say, has this got to do with communication? Well, in my mind, everything. If you don't know and understand what's important to your current or prospective customers, how can you possibly decide what you need to communicate with them? The second bit, Chris, that sits alongside that for me is, what does exceptional communication look and feel like? Because that's what we're really trying to strive to achieve. So for me, exceptional communication is not an isolated activity. It's part of a clear, well thought through and planned, integrated marketing communications plan. The very best businesses are using technology extremely smartly now to push the information that's really important to their clients at the right moment in time, and through their preferred communication channel, whether that be post, email, customer portal, or social media, as we talked about earlier. As I started to say earlier, in our market, you see a real difference in results between those businesses who have a clear plan in place, build up a detailed profile of their clients, segment their clients, and target their proposition accordingly, push relevant information to their clients to demonstrate the value of the ad. And I guess think out of the box in terms of the information that will be of interest and of value to their clients or prospects. That could be trade-related news, it could be local news, or it could be risk management advice in, a, in our sector. We as a business use a tool called Briefy Market, which has helped us enormously, enormously to change our business. We've increased the customer response and engagement rates that we get more than fourfold. We've inc easily managed to move to easily understanding which elements of our communications our customers are looking at and link that to our sales or telesales activity and follow-up processes. It's helped us drive and build the dialogue and engagement between our business and our customers' businesses. It's helped us join up our sales and marketing activity. In other words, it's had a huge impact on our business. And as a result, it's now something we've integrated into our own technology to pass on some of the same benefits to our customers. I think you make um, some, some really interesting points in what you've you've shared there. But I think one key message that I, I get out of that is, is really about using technology. You know, face-to-face -face is important, telephone is important, but using technology that's available to really communicate and and to build relationships. And I, I suppose quite often with when it comes to setting up people who are setting up a business, often they're fairly sort of creative, big picture visionary types. And that detailed systems knowledge that's required to do all of that activity might be slightly out of the comfort zone. So, you know, do you find that, Derek? And is that, you know, a recommendation that you maybe have for customers to make sure they've got the right people with that level of detail that can do it for them? I think it's about providing the right sort of support and education. You know, if you look at um, the trends that are actually happening in terms of consumers, people are buying business or searching for business, are searching for recommendations in quite different ways. If, if you look at uh, recommendations, a lot of customers are actually now looking on the Internet or looking on the social media channels to find out businesses that they should be talking with and building dialogue with and can trust. So 
what we find is when you actually sit down with a lot of businesses that have been highly successful up until now, but perhaps haven't used technology to a large extent and give them some guidance in the ways that can add value to their business, it starts to open up their eyes to looking at different ways to interact with their customers, different ways to run their business, different ways to get more efficiency in their business going forward and change that whole customer experience. What do you think, Jonathan? Uh, I think that um, communication by its very definition is a, is a two-way thing. Um, one of the reasons that our communication with our customers has improved so dramatically is that in using Briefview Market, uh, our customers get to set their preferences as to the sorts of things that they're interested in hearing from us about. So instead of getting a typical kind of 1% or 2% response to pieces of um, communication that we might be might be sending out we're getting regularly 30 to 50 percent response rates so we're not messing our customers around with information that they're not interested in we're focusing our efforts much more on the things that they uh, they find relevant um, and that improves the relationship that we have with our customer fundamentally and and although you know Derek has said that this is a technology solution it's not uh, you know it's a, it's a readily available technology or solution from the market but it doesn't it, you don't have to invest millions of pounds in it it's an inexpensive way of just rationalizing how you communicate with your customers much much more effectively I think it's, uh, what you just said there Jonathan it reminds me of a, a conference that I was at which was really talking about uh, it used to be that the small the benefit of a small business was, was personalization and you got more of a personal touch. But now with the technology that you just described there with Brief Your Market, actually big companies can be very personable too, can't they? Well, we, we think it's so good. We use it internally for all of our staff communications as well. So, you know, it clearly works. We've got, we've got just a couple of minutes before the break again. I'm just going to ask you how you make businesses more efficient and, and then release the resources for growth, which I think was the next point from Derek. Well, maybe if I can jump in. I mean, I think, um, from my perspective, whether you're, whether you're a one-man band business or, or a multinational business, we know, rather like I said earlier, we all have the propensity to occasionally do the wrong things at times. And so, um, freeing up your time to review and identify the things that you need to do to add value in your business is critical. Because that will help you make your business more efficient and it will help you release those resources for growth. And if you don't create that time, you will struggle because you'll carry on doing things that perhaps destroy value or at least are not value accretive. And you won't get that opportunity to start doing the new things that are going to help grow your business and make you more successful. Um, bluntly, the things that you will achieve in your business are the things that you will measure. So measure the things that are important because that's how you will free up resources, make your business more efficient and put your business in a position where it can grow and grow sustainably for the future. Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to in the next section, we'll be talking about, you know, more about measurements and, and benchmarking and those sorts of things. So do join us again in a couple of minutes. This is our last commercial break and then we'll run right through to the end of the show. So we'll speak to you again in a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? 
Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is the former Secretary of the Treasury under President Bush, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill will be here to talk about why reinvesting Clinton's surplus in Social Security was a good idea, how the current global recession was predictable, and what is needed to secure America's financial future. Don't miss Paul O'Neill this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. I'm with Jonathan Davey and Derek Finlayson, and we're talking about uh, transforming your business performance. And I'd like to get on to things like benchmarking now. And I wonder, Derek, from your experience, um, how do you go about benchmarking um, success? Well, Chris, we work with over 1,100 different businesses, which gives us a really good feel for what over 40% of the brokers in the UK are actually doing. Through that, we're able to build up a picture of which customers are growing their revenues and profits at a different pace than everyone else and a clear understanding of what it is they're actually doing differently to drive and stimulate their growth. As a result of this, we're able to build up a really good feel for what good looks like and a great benchmark for the sort of things we can educate our brokers on to drive positive change in their businesses that really will impact their revenues and their profits. And how would you therefore, you know, for a company, uh, Derek, who may be, you know, maybe may like one of your brokers, how would you recommend that they actually go about doing that benchmarking? You know, clearly you've got the, you're in a privileged position where you can look at 1,100 different businesses. Um, how, how would you recommend that the smaller business does that? Well, one way is to work with ourselves. We can give good guidance in terms of the rates which um, customers are actually growing, some of the things they're actually doing in their businesses that could be applied in any of our customers. But equally, any brokers in their, their regional community, insurance as a market is uh, a sector where everyone works very closely together. So if you're actually working with other regional businesses, you can actually get a benchmark of what's happening in your own individual community and start to get a feel for other things that you could do or learn from some of your other um, customers or, or brokers in that market that could actually help you. Great. So, so different sector, you'd maybe maybe be looking at uh, in your sector for an organisation like yours, um, or looking, you know, trade associations, those sorts of things. Jonathan. Yeah. 
Yeah, we have a very effective uh, trade association in BIBA, the British Insurance and Intermediaries Association, um, which is a, a trade body which supports uh, supports insurance brokers the length and breadth of the country, and indeed some overseas are overseas members also. Uh, so yeah, trade associations, local local networks and groups um, engaging correctly with uh, with networks such as Key Choice, um, and and working closely with your software supplier and understanding, you know, as we're working closely with our customers, what they can do to try and help your business grow. Great. Uh, moving on to a different point now, I, I picked up Derek that you'd said, you know, looking at how can we do things better than tomorrow than we did today. I mean, what is the suggestions that you have for an organization to, to do that? And I guess you're talking about, you know, continuous improvement here. We're actually talking about continuous improvement, Chris. And if you think about it, getting access to some of the services John and I have described is not always easy for a small business. So accessing a network or a support service or a trade body that can help you with this can really help you get a head start. For me, you also need a plan. Where do you want to be in three, five years' time? It doesn't need to be a complex one, but a clear, simple and easy-to-understand strategy is essential. And Chris, I guess a bit of an endorsement on that. The uh, the book that you were actually talking about before, Strategy on the Page, is actually something I've bought myself, and there's some great lessons in that which any business could could learn from. Lastly, for me, there's a bit about the culture of the business. You need to have or you need to create a mindset and approach in the business that's focused on continuous improvement. Get it really right, and it becomes infectious in your business in a really good way. Which, is, which gets your people really motivated and attracts in new talent into your business. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, did you say something there? No, no, I, no, I quite agree. I think actually a lot of what we're talking about here today is, um, is actually relatively straightforward, common sense stuff. It's just reminding ourselves that these are the things that we need to do. Sometimes forget, sometimes forget it as we're plowing, plowing on in the operational activity. Of a day. Um, how do you ensure that um, you're, you're measuring the right things, Jonathan? I think measurement is something that when I speak to you, you guys, you, you take very, very seriously. So how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no point in having a great strategy and, and, and a clear tactical um, plan if you don't then measure your performance against it. So I think for me, the way that most businesses measure themselves, um, and this will be common to, to, to a lot of listeners, that it's just looking at financials. It, it's a spirit sheet which shows last month's or last year's performance and the challenge or the problem that you have when you're only looking at the financial dimension is that it's only ever backward looking you know it's like looking in your rear view mirror of your car to navigate where you're going you know sooner or later you're going to have a crash we prefer um we Derek mentioned earlier the balance scorecard method uh, and we manage our business across five different dimensions. You know, financial, obviously, uh, but also operations, the measures that you um, have for day-to-day -day management of performance. Uh, customer, what do your customers think of you? Uh, how do they rate you? What do they, what, what's their opinion? Uh, staff, what's their opinion? What do your staff think about the business as a place to work? It's morals and how you engage with your staff. Always with a weather eye to strategy. And the strategy is obviously the sort of the fifth dimension, I guess. So that's the framework that we use um, to, me to measure everything across our business, a straightforward balance scorecard. But if you want to try, try to get specific around some of the things that uh, are measuring the right things, then for me, the simple lesson 
would be to try to sit down and ask yourself the question, what causes sales? Now, that may seem an odd question, but surprisingly for most businesses, the actual answer that you give will be different. So it could be the time that you spend selling. It could be the amount of time you spend uh, advertising or the money that you spend on advertising. It could be your your discount this week or this month. Uh, it could be the number of appointments that your telesales team has made for the business. I don't know what the measures are. They'll be different in different industries. But actually ask yourself the question, what causes sales? And then write yourself self a list of of everything that you can think of that causes sales and prioritize it. Decide which have got the most impact and then make sure that when you're measuring your performance, you're measuring it against those prioritized what causes sales factors. Because if you start targeting activity in the business around the things that cause sales, the inevitable outcome is going to be sales. Trust me, it kind of works. So if you've got the right framework and you're measuring what causes sales, then I suppose the last thing uh, as distinct from the traditional um, financial reporting model, which I think is quite often weak. You know, spreadsheets give you a snapshot in time, and they're very one-dimensional. And whilst they have their purpose, they don't really give you uh, information around the trends of what's going on in the business. So for me, um, the business should always be concentrating on the key numbers, but shown as ro- rolling 12 graphs. So they, because those graphs indicate the trajectory of the business, they indicate, you know, whether the financial snapshot, that spreadsheet is actually uh, good, bad or indifferent. And they tell you more where you're going rather than where you've been. And to continue my, my analogy of, um, of finance looking out the rear view mirror, I guess my business, I, I describe it as, as a bit like driving a car. So I've got the sales team with their foot on the accelerator. I've got the delivery people with their foot on the brake. I've got a bunch of operational people trying to make sure that the engine's working fine and the tires have got air in and they've got tread on them. And as I've always said, already said that, you know, finance typically is, um, is looking in the rear view mirror. Well, in my business, it's sat in the passenger seat, um, helping us, helping us with the map reading and planning where we're going. And I suppose to finish the analogy, then it would be I've got Derek who's there helping me with uh, defining the strategy and refining our proposition. And in my car, I suppose he's the one that's planned our journey. Brilliant. Uh, I think there's some really great stuff in there. And I'd recommend anybody actually listening back to the recording and just uh, working through that and thinking about things like what are your causes of sales and prioritizing them. I think that's a really valuable, Jonathan. Um, I um, also just want to move it. You know, people identify, and I know you do, Derek, you develop a lot of what you call key performance indicators for your business. How, how might a small business owner do that? And are those KPIs, as we call them, you know, linked to those causes of sales? I think, Chris, they're definitely linked to those causes of sales. But my, my recommendation would be don't overcomplicate it initially. Start simple, um, but make sure that you're focusing on probably at least two KPIs in each dimension that Jonathan's described. So in financials, it might be customer retention and new business leads. In customer, it might be customer satisfaction and building some testimonials from your customers who already think highly of your business. In people, for me, it might be staff retention and training. In operations, it might be measuring any outstanding work states and what we call revenue per capita, 
what's your average revenue is across every person you employ. And in strategy, I'd keep it really simple on that. Make sure that everybody in your organization understands the four or five key strands of what your strategy is. As I said earlier, what it is that they can do to contribute to that. If you start putting a framework like that in place, it'll give you a really good basis on which to measure your business, um, both in terms of backward indicators and forward indicators, as Jonathan was highlighting. And you'll inevitably identify the things that you can add to that, which will actually build it over a period of time. I, I guess one of the uh, one of the challenges for very small businesses is that quite often the owner manager might actually need to do all of those things. So my advice to to those people would be make sure you give yourself time to think think in each of those different quadrants. Um, if you're performing a role which spans uh, several areas of your balance scorecard, you know, give yourself time to wear the right hat. Uh, don't just try and uh, continue with a single view of the business. Look at it from each of those different areas because what you see will be quite interesting and it will help you, uh, help you navigate your growth plans for your business. Great. Well, I'd like to move on now just to to ask you, you know, what your key messages are that you'd like to leave us with. I know, Jonathan, we haven't had the time really to talk about sort of talent and people. Uh, maybe that's uh, another time, or maybe you can integrate that into your key messages. But, uh, you know, Derek, maybe we could start with you. What are your key messages that you'd like to leave us with? Well, Chris, I think, think for me the three key messages I'd like to finish with would be, firstly, embrace change. And genuinely, if you do that, you can achieve anything in your business. The second one for me would be always have an eye on the future. If you want to stay ahead of the competition and be one of the winners. And lastly, strive to constantly raise the bar in your marketing and customer communication activities. Those businesses that are already doing this are growing at a faster pace than everyone else. Those would be my three key messages, Chris. Brilliant. Thank you. And, and, and you come with us? Well, it's, I suppose it's hard to wrap everything up in just a few sentences, but um, perhaps the starting point would be the thing that I often say defines me, and that's my own personal mantra for, for business and, and for life, actually, uh, and that's around having expectations. Uh, so my, my sort of often used phrase, and my, my team will kick me because they're fed up with hearing it, it, hearing it is that um, you'll, you'll never succeed beyond your wildest expectations unless you start with some wild expectations. Now, I've always had some fairly wild expectations, both of myself and of my business and of people that work for me. And for me, that's been probably the key to, to the successes that I've seen in business. I think the second point, and we've probably done this one to death a little, but I think it's worthwhile um, highlighting, is, is the, the execution of strategy. So, you know, strategy without execution just really doesn't do anything. So make sure that you execute your strategy ruthlessly. Focus on the directional indicators, the uh, the things that you really need, like what causes sales, the rolling 12-month trends, you know, measuring the right things, as Derek was saying earlier. Those things are vital for the business because those are the things which will give you sense to all of your tactical plans. And I suppose lastly, notwithstanding what I've said about expectations, don't, uh, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. What do I mean by that? Well, one of my old bosses used to say to me, there are three steps to heaven. Step one is get 80% of the job that you need to do done, get it out of the way. Step two, do 
to 80% of the remaining 20% and you're already up to 96%. And step three, do the remaining uh, uh, 80% and that takes you to 99 and the rest is irrelevant. So have high expectations, but make sure you deliver. Brilliant. Some really powerful messages to end on there. Th- thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, I hope you've enjoyed being on the show. It's been um, fabulous uh, talking to you and listen to all this uh, great content and ideas that you've got from the huge wealth of knowledge that you've built up. So uh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Chris. You. Very welcome. If you'd like some more information on Key Choice or SSP, go to um, www.keychoice.com or www.sp worldwide.com or for those of you who follow social media would like to follow Jonathan and go to at KC underscore Jonathan D or Derek on at KC underscore Derek F so if you've got any questions or feedback please do send them to me at Chris at bemoreachievemore.com leave them on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore um, or uh, leave them on uh, the key choice sites on next week's show, as I mentioned, I'm talking to Adrian Pike, the CEO of Inesco, uh, which is one of the Financial Times fastest growing companies, uh, about um, how he and his team created a business that, in going into its uh, fourth year, or since um, 2010 when it formed, will turn over £100 million. So a great story there. Thanks again to my two guests, and I look forward to speaking to you all in a week, and I uh, hope you have a, a fabulous uh, week. <laughs>